You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. My prayer for all of us is that we would just engage with Jesus today. That the Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of you exactly what you need today. We're in a worship series, and we're in the last month of a three-month worship series. And so I want to catch us all up of where we've been and where we are today. The first thing we uncovered was the why. It's so important, just like little children, they need to know why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do. Once it really clicks to them, they may not get it right every time, but once they understand the why, they can begin to put action to it. I am guilty as a dad of my why is because I said so. That doesn't really work. (laughs) And so they need to understand the reasoning of why we tell them not to play soccer on the road. There's a reason. And so the why, why do we worship? Why do we as Christ followers Why do we worship the way we do? And why do we just even worship God? Well, number one is he is worthy. He is the only one worthy of praise. Secondly, his nature demands and requires a response. And worship is simply this, is responding to God's greatness. Now we're getting to what is worship. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's our response to his nature. What is his nature? Well, he's holy, he's righteous, he's eternal, he's sovereign, he's unchanging, he's merciful, he's faithful, and he is the essence of love. He's not just the characteristic of love, he is love. That's why we worship him. No other name is worthy of being worshiped. Do you understand that in Old Testament times, When the Israelites chosen by God would worship other gods, their punishment was death. There's a reason why the Ten Commandments start with, thou shall not have any other gods before me. When I stood at the altar facing my beautiful wife in 2004, and I said, I vow to be faithful to you. There's a problem when I'm then now faithful to another woman or other things or images that are not the woman that I vowed to. There's a problem there. It's the same with the God we worship. He is the only one worthy. So when we worship other things and other people and other stuff, we have a worship affair on God. Thank goodness Jesus didn't give up on us because his blood on the cross covers that affair. His blood on the cross covers our sin nature. And so that's why we can even stand in the presence of God, let alone be temples where the Holy Spirit fills us with his presence is because of Jesus. 
The third thing of why we worship is because that's in our DNA. As human beings, we are wired to worship. So it's not a matter if you worship. You will worship because you're created to worship. Atheists worship. Republicans worship. Democrats worship. Everyone worships. Buddhists worship. Muslims worship. Agnostics worship. It's who they worship. That's the difference. It's created in the fabric of our being to worship something that is higher in worth than we are. And some people make the grave mistake of worshiping themselves. Hmm. Why we worship? He's worthy. His nature causes us a stimulant response within our hearts to worship, and we're made for it. Number two is what is worship? Simply the Old Testament terms revolve around bowing physically. If you haven't bowed before the Lord in your own house, in your own home, or in worship, I encourage you to do do so. Something when you choose to physically bow yourself, just like for some of you who are stir-crazy at home, and, and, and you have a lot of energy, and you're tired of sitting around, or you're tired of doing one thing, you need to get out and what? Walk or jog, right? So you have to make your body do it, and afterwards, you feel so much better. Well, worship is the same thing for our spirits and our emotion and our soul. We need to choose. Choices lead, your feelings will follow. It's called spiritual discipline. When you don't want to do it, the disciplines kick in. I feel the Lord just really behind today's message. And I pray that you receive what he is showing you and speaking to you. So we bow. Yes, it starts with our hearts. You don't have to bow physically in order to offer proper worship to God. So don't leave here saying, well, I don't bow, so I'm not worshiping God. No, I'm not saying that. You must first have a posture in your spirit that bows and surrenders and yields in reverence to God. If not, you need to look into scriptures and ask the Lord to show you his nature. Because when you get a glimpse of this almighty God, you won't be able to do anything but just bow because he's worthy. So we bow our hearts. We bow our lives. We surrender. The Greek word is proskuneo. And there's other, you know, play play off those words, words that play off proskuneo that mean a little bit of slight, uh, mean slightly different, excuse me. But the main gist of the New Testament word worship means intimacy. It means relationship. Now that Christ has done what he has done to make home in our hearts, and now that the presence of God no longer dwells in a building, a temple behind a veil, the veil has been lifted called faith. When we believe in Jesus, which we can't do unless the Holy Spirit allows us to do that, And then the veil is lifted and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells. And we also need to receive, yes, we get baptized. 
and we, and we repent to the Lord, but we need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live in obedience to the Spirit. Does that make sense? You can't do it on your own. You can't worship Jesus without the Spirit prompting you and guiding you. And the third thing of what is worship is all about confession. We all have sin every morning, but his mercies are new every morning. But there is something powerful when we learn and we choose to turn away from what we're stuck in and start to turn towards Jesus that brings freedom and truth. And the truth will set you free. And so that is why we worship. That is what is worship in a nutshell. And so we have to understand going into the how. We have to understand that worship is a matter of the heart first. You can go through all the worship actions called religious activity until you're blue in the face, you can sing through the worship songs. But if Jesus is not the Lord and in control of our soul, then we're just going through religious activity. And people who don't know God and just go through religious activity outside of any relationship will hear those words, I don't know you. But God, remember that time when I danced around the sanctuary and I just shouted your name? And he says, I don't know you. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus, which then leads us to respond in worship. And so worship is a matter of the heart that then permeates through the power of the Spirit. By the way, guys, do you realize that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of every believer who receives him? And we wonder why the church is powerless today. There's a scripture in 1 Peter that says they may look like the form of godliness, but they deny its power. Meaning they deny worshiping God for who he is and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring transformation into their lives. So it permeates our lives and it influences how we respond. Did you notice, by the way, a shift in the atmosphere when everyone began to thank God? Did you feel it? You could feel it tangibly shift in the atmosphere, because that's how powerful worship is. Because it's not about what we do, it's about who we adore. It's about who we lift up. So this month, for the next three weeks, we're gonna focus on the how. I think it's important because a lot of people may not have been raised in church. You may not know how. Well, number one, the best place to start is the word of God. And then the second best place to start is to find teachings online, or there's this wonderful series right now going on at ECC, engage with it. And so we're going to look for three Sundays at the how. And so let's just dive right on in. Here is the key theme for today for the how. In worship, in worship, we bring all we are and all we have to love Jesus Christ and to lift his name to the highest place. Can you read that so that it starts to sink in? Can we read it all together loud and clear? Here we go. In worship, 
We bring all we are and all I understand that that does not still say the how, but this is the purpose and the wind behind it. Worship begins and ends with Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Worship begins and ends with Jesus Christ. If that is true, and it is true, because Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only way that we can truly worship God as a living temples and children of the Most High God. And so because worship begins and ends with Jesus, here's the how for today. We are to love Jesus with our lives. And we are to lift Jesus up high, higher than anything else we lift up. These are the two points we're going to cover today. We love Jesus. That's how we worship him. We love him. We adore him. We give our affection and devotion and our allegiance. But we also lift up in priority and worth and focus, and value. And that's what makes the church of Jesus Christ, the big C church in scripture, different than the rest of the world. There's only one king, and his name is Jesus. And so the worship team is going to respond at the end of this message with a song called Jesus, Son of God. It's a song that's probably about six years old, and it's so perfect in our response. And so I want to prime the pump for you all before we sing it, because it may be a new song to you. And so in these two points of loving Jesus and lifting Jesus high, I want the song to kind of be the, the thread that goes through the rest of this time together. And here's The first two verses, look at this. It says this, you came down from heaven's throne. This is what Jesus did on our behalf. You see how it starts to prompt who we're worshiping and our focal point of worship. And then once we really get to understand his love, we begin to love him back and lift him up. You came down from heaven's throne. This earth you formed was not your own. A love like this, the world has never known. You can't manufacture it. A crown of thorns to mock your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face. A love like this we have never known. For you took our sin. You bore our shame. That's why we worship. You rose to life. He's not in the grave. He defeated the grave. A love like this the world has never known. Now here is our response on the altar of our praise. Let there be no higher name, Jesus, Son of God. You lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice in which paid for your sin and your death. Jesus, Son of God. That's powerful. 
And so we respond to the love of Jesus. We respond to who Jesus is. And we respond to the love that he poured out lavishly for you and I. And we respond by two things today. Next week, we're going to look at another two items of how we respond. But these two items is we love Jesus Christ. And number two, we lift his name up with every thought, with every word, with every song, with everything we are, with everything we do, because Jesus is worthy. That's why I love that song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know it? There's just something about the name, Master, Savior, Jesus. You know it? Like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name so we love Jesus in all we do and say why because he loved us And he laid down his life for you and me. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Let's read this together loud and clear. Can you read it with me? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our, to take away our sins. We love Jesus because he first loved us. It's not the opposite. We actually see in scripture that we were children of wrath. We spat in Jesus' face. We crucified him. Our sin crucified him. We didn't love him. And yet he still loved us. We love Jesus. And this is, I believe this is on the screen. Worship. Worship is the act. The act of freely giving love to Jesus. That's, that, that's worship, guys. When you give love in the highest form of love to God. Yes, we love our spouse. Yes, we love our children. And yes, we really, really, really love our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Yes, we love that. But in order to truly worship God, he is the one we love the most. And then this love to God that we give freely to God because he freely gave it to us, it forms and informs every part of the believer's life. This is why worship is so important. It's part of this word called sanctification, becoming more and more and more like Christ. 
When you give your life to Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive the forgiveness and you receive all that God has for you, your worship life begins, but it doesn't end there. You now have to continue to give your life daily in worship to the Lord. And so this involves our allegiance, always checking every day, where is my allegiance given? What about our devotion? What is driving us in all that we do? Is it the love of Christ that compels us, 1 Corinthians? Or is it the love of wealth and status and pleasure and and fame? and, and, And you go on and on and on and on. We're going to get it wrong some days, and that's why we have to bow our hearts and ask Christ to forgive us and cleanse us and get us back on our feet. This kind of love also looks like adoration, thanksgiving, and gratitude, and we're going to cover that in a couple weeks, but it's also an unwavering commitment. Are you just worshiping Jesus on a Sunday when you walk into the church, and then Monday through Saturday is just living life? Because Jesus would say, you've got it all mixed up here. Either I'm in the throne, I'm on the throne of your life, or I'm not, right? And so we have to have this unwavering commitment to Jesus. Everything we have, we lay down as an offering to Jesus. We owe everything to him. And it's like coming to the altar to give everything to Jesus, but yet clinging and holding on to it and not giving it to him. So we love Jesus by our allegiance, our devotion, and our adoration. That's number one. Number two, we love Jesus by obeying Jesus. Now you're like, okay, now now you've gone too far. Do you realize how our culture hates the word obey and submit? We're a free country. Um, Okay. Obedience, so often in worship, is countercultural. But it is the key to surrender and the heart of worship. And even the Bible says that God's laws aren't burdensome. They're for you. They're for your joy. They're for your health. They're for your protection. They're for your witness. They're for you and fulfillment an abundant life. Now let's look at what Jesus has to say about obedience being worshiped to Jesus. Number one, John 14, 15. Says this, if you love me, you will show up in church. If you love me, you will give me, give the church 10%. If you love me, you will serve the church faithfully. If you love me, you will go door to door and share the gospel to everyone. Well, maybe. And maybe all of those would fit. But they don't fit unless it's what God is calling you to obey. Obedience is key to worship. John 15, one chapter forward. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, he's talking about the father being the vine or uh, Jesus being the vine and the father being the vine dresser. He says, if you remain in me, 
you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And he says, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in me. So how do we remain in Jesus? By obeying him. How do we obey him? By knowing him. We have to be in relationship with him. We need to know what he is calling us to do. We need to be in his word to know what his ways are and his will for our life. Amen? John 5, 1 John 5, excuse me, 1 John 5 says this. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And again, it goes back. If you are a follower, you will obey what God has commanded. So where in your life is God calling you to obey? Where in your life do you feel like you consistently hit the ceiling? And your capacity, it just keeps running out. Could it possibly be because we have not unlocked our worship by obeying, simply obeying God? I'm going to throw some more scriptures out at you. Real quick, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Again, this the Old Testament and the New Testament is all about obedience because obedience then shows us where our allegiance and our devotion and our priorities are. You want to know who somebody worships? Watch what they obey. Watch how they invest their time. Watch where they spend their money. Not saying you can't enjoy the blessings of this world and live your life. But we ultimately follow and are driven to obey that which we worship. James 1 says, but don't listen. Don't just listen to what you read in the Bible. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. This isn't me. This is the word of God. For if you listen to the words and do not obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for your worship. An older... um, he died at such a young age, but uh, a worship leader way back in the 70s and uh, early 80s, Keith Green. Have you heard of him? Keith Green. He has this song that will slap you spiritually in the face. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your Sundays or Wednesday nights. <laughs> and it, the song goes on and on just to say we, we, we say this and we do this, but we reject his name in how we disobey God. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, the greatest of all commandments. He sums all of the Old Testament law into one. Two parts, but one. And that is, 
love the Lord your God with, say it, all your heart, all your soul, and what? All your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We love Jesus by giving our allegiance, our devotion, our surrender, our adoration to Jesus alone. He has the highest place in our lives. We also love him by obeying him. We also love him by obeying him. But there is one other form of worship that so often we rarely tap into. We rarely tap into it. And Jesus is saying, if you lay down everything in your life for him, and if you obey Jesus and his word, you will love Jesus by how you love people. We, we say that, and I'm grateful, but the test is on the road. The test is when we get cut off by someone. The test is where other people on the road don't let us merge in, right? The test is when we get to the grocery store and it's in a 15 items or less lane and someone with 68, because you've counted, 68 items is on that register. We're tested. And I'll be honest, a lot of times when the word of God is telling us to love one another, it's talking about other believers. How can we love the world the sinful, wicked world, if we can't love our brother and sister who believe in Jesus, who are royal priesthood, who are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and yet we have bitterness, offense, unresolved conflict all the time. Guys, it's got to stop because it stifles our worship. It stifles our worship. Well, this person and this person is doing this. I don't know. Stop. Just stop. And you're not alone. I have to ask for forgiveness for this every single day. Why? It's because when we give way to our sinful nature, our sinful nature is about us not loving one another. We put ourselves on the throne, not Jesus. We truly worship God when we can love others even in their differences. And, and guys, I'm just going to just share it with you. Matthew 22, 39 through 40. A second is equally important. He says, love Jesus with everything. And then he says, if you do, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. Love. First John 4, 11 says, beloved, if God so loved you, then you must love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in you. And his love is perfected in us. Love doesn't mean you never disagree. In this church, we don't have to always agree. In your relationships, you don't always have to agree. Does your family always agree? But you still love each other. 
yet you can't stand them sometimes. <laughs> you still love them and would do anything for them. Love doesn't mean you vote the same way. Love doesn't mean you even see the Bible specifically in the same way. Now, obviously, there's doctrine and there's truth. And the Bible is very clear on what is true. And sometimes we have to dig. Sometimes we have to research. But look at so many areas outside of salvation that denominations and churches who follow Jesus disagree. And yet we're to love one another. Look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, chapter, or excuse me, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We worship God by giving him our everything. We worship God by obeying him. But the big proof in the pudding is how we love one another. And friends, we as a church, all of us, you may be visiting, you may be new here, but the last year and a half, we have been waiting and navigating through how to love one another. And how, and, and how do we navigate in a biblical way through discussions and disagreements and still at the end of the day love and value one another? If you're a part of a church that's not navigating through that, I would really question what's going on in the inside. Because all of us as a church need to grow in loving one another. In another scripture, Jesus actually says, by your love, others will know who you follow. What he's saying here, and I'm not twisting his words, what he's saying is by your love for one another, you will show the world who you worship. Who do you worship? Who do you give your all in all to? Who is it that you obey more than anything? Yes, we're imperfect. Yes, we mess up. And how we love people reflects who we worship. Guys, I'm not even getting to the second point. And it's okay. When Christ abides at the center of our worship, we are compelled to love as he loves. We are broken for what breaks his heart. We extend grace and mercy and compassion to those around us, just as Jesus did on his time on earth. Well, how do you love others? Isn't your church about the Great Commission? Yeah. To go forth into the world and be his witnesses. How are we as witnesses? We love. You are all on mission to love. Christ-centered worship pushes us beyond the confines of the church walls and into this world. It ignites a passion within us to share the good news of salvation, to serve the marginalized, the widows and the orphans and those who are homeless, and to strive for righteousness and justice in society. That is the Great Commission. 
driven by the great commandment to love God with everything and to love one another as yourself. Do I have your permission just to blitz through the second point? Go for it. Okay. And then we're going to worship. The second point is to lift Jesus' name on high. And friends, you can't lift Jesus high unless your life is low. You can't. You can't. Jesus must be the highest. He, John the Baptist, is the one that baptized Jesus and even said, I am unworthy to even touch the sandals of this man's feet. And John the Baptist's prayer is found in John 3, verse 30. It's not on the screen. John 3, verse 30. He says, may my life decrease so that Jesus the Messiah would increase. Another way of saying it, may Jesus become greater and greater and I become less and less. In order to worship Jesus, by lifting him up, you must humble yourself below him. Yes. Let's read Colossians, or excuse me, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. I'm just going to read really fast. This is one of my favorites. It says that though he was in the form of God, he did not count the equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is Jesus. But what he did was this. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. There's that word. He worshiped God the Father through his obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, because of that, God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name higher above any other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow worship. Every tongue shall confess worship. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That is how we lift Jesus up. And so there's three words that start with D that I want to leave with you. As we love Jesus by giving him everything, we love Jesus by obeying him, and we love Jesus by loving one another, but how do we worship here on a Sunday morning and in our lives by lifting Jesus high? Number one is we declare who Jesus is. That's why I love that song, King of Kings. That's why I love the creed that we read once in a while in the church. We need to declare and speak forth who Jesus is. And sometimes we need to speak to a point where it influences our mind and our will and our emotions. There's power in our words. He's my savior. He's my savior. Who is Jesus to you? Shout it out. He's, shout it out. Amen. That's who he is. You are worshiping Jesus by declaring him as Lord. Just take an inventory, friends, on Monday. What are your declarations throughout the day? That's who you worship. The majority of that is what you worship. And so we declare who he is and what he's done 
vocally, which then influences and impacts us physically, emotionally, mentally. Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you lonely? Start speaking who Jesus is. Not what you feel about him, but who he is. Number two, the second word that starts with D is devotion. Is devotion. We are called to humble our lives. First Peter 5 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that in due season, once you're humbled and Jesus takes the highest place, he begins to lift you up. But the moment that you start to raise yourself up in the highest place of your life, he's got to bring you back down. And let me tell you, friends, the sooner you can humble yourselves, the less strife and stuff you have to go through. We lift Jesus high by humbling our lives in pure devotion to Jesus. That means turning away from anything that keeps your devotion from Jesus. Take another inventory, not just what you're declaring. Take an inventory of what you invest your mind in. That is why I don't go on Facebook anymore. I'll go on to do maybe one post for the church. I even have a, blessed Daphne Warwick does our our Facebook. Thank you, and I'm sorry for putting you in that position. But I can't do it. Because it's a tug of war of devotion. Devotion of trying to compare myself to other people. Or devotion of hearing what other people think about whatever else is going on. And guys, it just is a whirlwind. And I finally had to make the the decision, I'm not devoted to social media. So that means what you say you're not devoted to means you're actually not devoted to it. Because saying it and doing it are two different things. What is it that keeps you from devoting to God? It may be actually your close core of friends. They want to go to the bar all the time. They want to go to different clubs and different things where Christ isn't honored at all. And I'm not saying you can't walk into there and be light. Be light. But so often we struggle in those areas to keep our devotion as Jesus. What needs to go so that your devotion can be fully laid before God? So we lift Jesus high by declaring who he is, but also by devoting our lives to him and him alone. And thirdly, we display. You display Jesus. The Bible even says if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, then you truly weren't converted from death to life. You you don't belong to God. And so if indeed the Holy Spirit lives in you, he wants to flow, he wants to function, and he wants to fill you to overflowing so that it actually bears fruit. You are Jesus' billboard right here in Blanchester, Loveland, Goshen, Morrow, wherever. How are you displaying Jesus? Because that's how you worship, by lifting him up. Look at Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ. It is so important, friends, and I'm wrapping up. 
It's so important for this, um, excuse me, to note that this kind of worship is birth in our hearts first. Then it permeates every area of our life as we yield it, surrender it, devote it to the Holy Spirit. You cannot display Jesus unless you are devoted to allowing the Holy Spirit to move. And the Holy Spirit will not move if you're not obeying him. So we need to worship God in how we love Jesus. So let a band come on up. Let's review. We love Jesus with all our hearts, our soul, our mind, and we, our strength. We love Jesus by actually doing what he says. And believe me, his word is so full of truth. He says, do not worry for tomorrow. He says, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. That's where you need to be obedient. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer. Are you obeying that? Are you implementing that? He says, forgive those who have offended you. He said, lay down your life for another brother or sister. He said, don't have any corrupt speech in your mouth. Count one another's interests higher than yourselves. That's just getting started, friends. But you won't obey what Jesus has to say until you love him in a relationship and start to declare what he's done in your life. So we love Jesus with everything. We obey his word and we love others. And how we lift Jesus up, we declare him out loud. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of him. We're not ashamed of him. I went to a worship night Friday night in Cincinnati. Something I've never thought about before in my life. When you read Revelation 12, and by the way, I've never said this from the pulpit. You need to read Revelation. It's, it's happening right now in our world. Do you know that the day is at hand when the Lord is going to split the eastern sky and take home those? It's not, to, it's not to erupt fear, but we need to be prepared by how we worship and live our lives because Christ is coming for a pure bride. But Revelation 12 talks about those in which the power of God flowed through them to be witnesses But here's the thing that I never saw. It said, for they did not love their lives as their own and not being afraid to die. To display Jesus, to worship Jesus, we need to be in a place where we are surrendered everything that death doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.